If you've bought property, you likely funded your purchase partly through a mortgage. If the property increases in value over time by more than the cost of the borrowing, you're better off. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. This is a podcast by the Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show. Welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. We're on a mission to be Australia's most trusted property podcast. I'm Owen Rask, founder of the Rask Group. I'm Pete Wardgen, author and buyer's agent. I'm Amy Lenardi, and I am a buyer's agent. I'm Chris Bates, ex-financial planner and mortgage broker. Together, we'll take you through every step of your property journey. From first home buyer to decades of property investing. G'day, welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. This is our weekly two cents segment. I'm Pete Wargent and I'm here with Chris Bates. Batesy, how are we? Pete, life's good. How are you um, doing? I've got the Newcastle Roadshow tonight, haven't you? So um, that's pretty good. The Sydney one's on next couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, yeah pretty, we did a Paul Macquarie yesterday, so hence, uh, hence the uh, merchandise on display. If you're watching on the video, you'll see I've got the Rask gear on. Uh, company man through and through. And uh, yes, tonight Newcastle and then... Next week, uh, we're down in Victoria, Wangarasa. So uh, if you're around the traps, uh, do come and join. All good fun, the Rask Roadshow. Um, yeah, what have uh, you been up to this week? Oh, life's been uh, pretty good here. Just uh, It's been a bit of a heat wave in Sydney. So we've been uh, going for swims in the morning down the beach, which has been amazing. My hay fever has been out of control, to be honest. So that's been helping with that. Um, and, yeah, nice little weekend. We went out on a friend's boat around Pitwater on Sunday, which was awesome. And jumped off some rocks and yeah no it was, a, it was a nice weekend a taste of summer but almost too good when it's only september and you're getting 35 degree days so isn't it hot um, yeah i mean uh, you might be able to hear the coal terminals in the background if you hear any foghorns going off uh, i'm just in newcastle on the waterfront and it's uh, what 36 degrees very unusual for third week of september it's pretty warm and uh, hasn't rained for quite a long time now so yes enjoying the unseasonably warm weather but it could be a long summer ahead at this rate so uh interesting stuff and uh, what's happening at work if you've been uh, getting busy yeah it's interesting so uh, we're always getting a bit of a good litmus test a bit of a leading indicator i feel for the market um we can see when buyers attitudes and their preferences and their urgency and the number um and their appetite for for loans, we, we kind of get the, the sense of that because we have so many conversations each week. And even when there's things like people are really worried about rates or future rate increases or, you know, their expectations on where rates are going to go, we, we sort of get a, you know, for a lot of people are doing not working in property like us, I don't talk about it all day, but they get a, a view of it through their friends and reading papers, et cetera. So um, we've seen a, definitely an increase, especially over the $1 million mark where 
um, you know, more of the bigger budgets, there's been an urgency there to buy. Um, so we've seen a, a big jump in the, the number of those bigger loans. Um, typically, that's what we've done a lot. That's how we've grown our business on the sort of bigger loans. That's our clientele. But um, we've seen definitely a, a strong rise there. You can see that there's, I don't think buyers are factoring in rate cuts yet. Um, so I don't think they're saying, look, I'm, I'm factoring at a 1% cut in rates next year. They're not that overconfident, but I think they are building confidence that rates aren't going to go up a lot. Um, and, you know, to a point where they already, they're starting to say, like, we don't think rates are going up at all, right? So that's playing into buyers' mentality. So if the market starts to believe that rates aren't going up anymore and there's rate cuts to come, the next thing they could potentially do is start to factor in rate cuts into their decision, um, which I don't think they are now. And so um, that would be my perception of the market now. Buyers are definitely, there's a little bit of urgency. They are missing out a bit. They realise it's now getting close to the end of September. October is almost the last month to purchase. So there might only be four or five other weeks. There's been a bit of stock come on, I think, in the last two weeks. I think um, a lot of listings um, have jumped onto the market. But it's been off a very low base. So the buyers out there haven't got a lot of choice and they've usually got one good property they're pursuing. Um, and if that property goes, there's no others that they've got as alternatives because there's there's very little quality on the market. So, um, But, yeah, we've, we've said double-digit purchases both the last two weeks. So a huge number of people are buying um, and in particular a bit of the higher end as well, which has um, been a good change. Yeah, it seems to be... Uh different dynamics around the country, a bit more stock coming on in Sydney for sure. Uh, we're mainly based in Brisbane and we've been getting smashed. We just can't seem to get stock bought at the moment and we're reaching full capacity. We had an auction on the weekend at uh, Wilston, uh, north side of Brisbane, got completely blown out of the water, 10 registered bidders, uh, missed out by, well, 150k plus so uh yes uh, there's not much stock out there not much quality stock and um yeah we're finding it pretty hard actually even as buyers agency uh to get stuff purchased and um yeah so one media outlet referred to it as the hunger games in brisbane for home buyers it does feel a bit like that sometimes so this is our weekly two cents segment our big three property news stories of the week every sunday morning in your podcast player so this week chris the three main stories we're going to cover firstly Population growth hits 2,000 per day in Australia. We've never seen anything like this before. Population boomed by a record 182,000 in the first quarter of 2023 calendar year. Uh, second story of the week, um, yes, the jobs market, although we've got record high employment, we're just starting to see things soften around the edges. So there's more underemployment, more underutilization, um, a little bit. I guess, uh, just slack increasing in the labour force, which I suppose uh, reflects back onto record population growth. And then the third news story of the week, CoreLogic, Eliza Rowan did a piece, uh, three reasons why rental price growth is set to slow in 2024. Even though we've got record low vacancy rates, there's a number of factors that will come together just to sort of slow down that growth in rents, which has been electric at times over the past year or two. Um, so, Chris, let's kick off with this um, news story. Sydney Morning Herald, in fact, the Fairfax media went with this one. Um, Shane Wright was the uh, journo. Uh, population growth reaches 2,000 per day. That's quite an eye-catching headline because, we, well, we're certainly from a property market point of view, we can't even build for that kind of growth. Um, but even just from a, a general livability and infrastructure perspective, that's, a, that's an awesome number of people coming into the country this year so far. And it sort of, uh, well, it points to growth over this calendar year of, oh, goodness knows, six, seven hundred thousand. It's a lot of people 
at a time when um, building starts have dropped to a decade low. So, yeah, pretty interesting stuff there. Yeah, Pete, have you got a bit of a breakdown on, you know, the 2,000 a day, like you say, 700,000 a year. If we say the average number of people per dwelling is two, it's probably even maybe even lower than that, right? I think it's like 1.8 or 1.9. Is that right, Pete? I think. Uh, so we say we need another 300,000 dwellings. And we've got 11 million of them, and we're probably going to build under 200,000 this year. So, just we're seeing a bit of a problem here, let alone, um, you know, people who are wanting to move out of home, um, you know, et cetera, who are wanting to, you know, uh, new, et cetera. So, what, what's, what's that breakdown, Peter? That 700,000 are coming. Is a lot of students, a lot of, you know, special, uh, you know, highly skilled visas, or what's your take? Yeah. So, international students, that, that is a key driver of the change in the resident population. And so there are people who come in on temporary visas. And of course, we had a period there where the international borders were closed. Um, international students were largely absent from the country, especially the Chinese students. And now, as the borders reopen, they've come absolutely flooding back. So there's over 600,000 um, international students in Australia on temporary visas. We also get visitor visas, which um, I guess ebbs and flows through the year. And then permanent migration is starting to ramp up again. Now, I guess what you could say is, you know, we've had a couple of years where population growth really slowed um, with the borders closed and now it's come firing back. So it is a bit of a catch up in that sense. And um, if you actually were to draw a trend line through the population figures, we're more or less back to where we would have been if COVID hadn't happened. We're pretty close to that pre-COVID trend line. But I guess the problem is, as you pointed out, uh, the population growth has changed so quickly and it changes much more quickly than we can um, respond in terms of infrastructure and dwellings and so on. Now, when the Reserve Bank governor, um, the previous governor, uh, Philip Lowe, who was still in place, he talked about people making more efficient use of the dwelling stock. So, of course, during COVID, we had this race for space and everybody moved outwards and the average number of persons per dwelling uh, was well fell uh, as a result of that, but I think um, you know people will start to as rents have increased and affordability becomes stretched. People will start to either buddy up or stay home for longer. People are making better use of granny flats. So even though um, the headlines were always going to be negatively framed when Phil Lowe said that, you know he, Phil Lowe says get a flatmate or you know which he never actually said. Um, I think there is a valid point here in that when the rental affordability gets stretched, then people do find solutions. That's probably one of the reasons why uh, rents will slow next year, as we will come on to. Uh, but yes, you're right. If you get, let's say, 600, 650,000 population growth in a year, uh, well, building starts are now at the lowest level in a decade. Um, we're only building, a, you know, kicking off around 50,000 dwellings in a quarter and of course a lot of um, that replaces old dwelling stock as well we get demolition so yeah it's an immense amount of pressure and this is starting to become a political issue and the opposition the coalition party will start to make this an election issue they'll be talking about winding back immigration uh, really just to juxtapose themselves against where, where labor's policy is at the moment i think this is really the key point i believe is that you know, we're going to start to see a pressure on whether you're building more, which I think is definitely happening, the YIMBY versus the NIMBY. I think it's the, the strongest fight I've ever seen. Um, I think that's going to play out, the push for density and um, relaxed planning controls and um, in particular where people want to live. And so it's high rises in maybe suburbs that weren't expecting to get, you know, three, four, five levels, um, et cetera. And, um, and so I think there's going to be a real, that'll be the conversation I think a lot in next year. But I think the other conversation is that, well, yeah, we can, we can build these things, but it's going to take time. Do we need to cut immigration? Um, 
And, you know, I think there's 190,000 cap or something. I think back in 2019, they cut it to 160. And, I mean, even in 2019, I mean, with Gladys, we're saying we can't grow this fast, you know. Um, yeah, our infrastructure can't keep up. We, ne- we, you know, Sydney needs to slow down and then COVID happened. So she got her wish, I guess. But um, I think that, yeah, this is going to be a big conversation. The reality is there's going to still be really strong population growth coming. Um, it's hard to say no to the money that they bring in and the skilled workers that we've got shortages of. So it's a, it is really a, a catch-22. They're, uh, you know, they're not just, uh, you know, here to, um, you know, get educated they generally a lot of them do stay in our workforce and add a lot of value and become part of our future productivity do you think productivity is going to be a big uh, conversation which sort of leads us into story number two Pete yeah absolutely I think um, yes it's one thing to grow the headline growth in GDP just by pumping up the numbers but one of the things I noticed just uh, driving around the traps over the past week or two doesn't matter whether you're Coffs Harbour, Sawtell, Port Macquarie, Tari, Newcastle, everybody's saying the same. Gee whiz, everything's busy. You know, everything's just noticeably busier. There was definitely an exodus from the capital cities over the past two or three years. And yeah, some of that's reversed, but just the total number of people in the country is absolutely pumped up. But in per capita terms, the economy is actually going backwards now. So th- this is not just a conversation for this year. This will be a multi decade issue can we increase productivity and not just increase the size of the economy by bringing in more and more people just um stripping through the numbers victoria's population growth over the year was 162,000 uh, new south wales 156,000 queensland 124,000 which i guess as a percentage of the population is nearly two and a half percent and the bulk of that just into southeast queensland in that corner of the state western australia 2.8 percent growth act two percent these are just enormous numbers um so yeah look i think there's a lot of debate now about whether this is responsible policy given the housing shortage infrastructure pressures and so on and i think there'll be an increasing shift in the debate towards how can we improve productivity um, especially at a time when more and more people have been working from home uh, lots of debates about who should be back in the office and who shouldn't. So definitely, I think we'll see a switch in this um, conversation over the next year because um, I think you'll find the bulk of Australians actually don't want population growth at such a high level and um, politically will start to become less popular. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So, yes, you're right. So, sorry, story two, slack increasing in the labour market. So the economy is still adding jobs, but the measures of underemployment underutilization they're now rising and that's i guess reflects the record immigration but also the slowing economy i think this is mostly a sydney and melbourne story where the the slack is starting to increase and that probably points to slower wages growth ahead probably a peak in interest rates um i think the uh, the jobs growth over the past um month in august was still sixty-five thousand. it's a huge number but that was almost all part-time work and probably a bit of a catch-up from the previous month as well. Unemployment right now, 3.7%. So we're probably just off the lows now. And um, I think most notably, underemployment increased from 58 to 6.2%, and underutilisation is now over 10%, which in plain English means there's just not as much work to go around per person in the labour force. And I guess that will start to just take the pressure off wages growth. And you can actually see this as you drive around, you know, cafes, 18 months ago or two years ago, they just couldn't find the staff. You know, there's signs up everywhere, staff needed, staff required. You know, that's not happening anymore and things are starting to normalise. 
Yeah, and I wonder if it's a bit of the interest rates are starting to bite here for a lot of businesses, you know, the the cost of capital to to invest in your business is really expensive right now and compared to what it was in COVID, you could borrow at three or four percent, you know, now it's maybe eight or nine percent as a as a business loan. And um you've got to be really careful if you invest if you're investing for growth, which is usually what you're doing, you're hiring stuff, is it really paying back? Um and there's a little bit of a concern around the, the future the Australian economy, you know, how's it going to survive higher interest rates? So do you, do you put the the pedal on? I think a lot of people, businesses probably did do that. A lot of employees moved around. But also, do you move your job around when you've got a big mortgage? It's, you know, I was just on a phone to a client just today. Um, you know, he was doing consulting work in tech. He was earning a much higher day rate. He's taken a job that's given him security um, that's, you know, 40% under what he could earn on a day rate. Um, just not, he just hasn't got the confidence there. His wife's got another job. She could get a 50K pay bump, but doesn't want to leave, switch jobs because they've got a mortgage. And so you know, higher rates also slow down work and mobility where a lot of well, wage increases would happen. And um, uh, I also see that, yeah, and, and the construction sector must be biting now, you know, that as jobs roll off, is there still the, the new work and the new pipeline? And um, I think that's be, be good news for the construction sector because I know a lot of the top firms have basically been poaching each other's staff um, and offering them big wage increases. And, um, you know, that's not good when, you know, basically the industry is cannibalising itself. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that I don't think we're not getting that appetite from our buyers where they're like, oh, yeah, my income is going up dramatically right now. I've got huge bonuses and um, it's all uh, honky-dory and we're just going to invest to the eyeballs. I just don't – that was definitely something that was that overconfidence maybe back in 2021. Um, but everyone's a little bit more conservative and they're also having to be a bit more conservative when they're going to market anyway because they – their borrowing capacities are much uh, further down than where they were. They're, they're sort of 40% down, so they can't stretch to that huge multiple times of their income, even if they want to. So that has to take a bit of heat out of the market as well. I think in the uh, broader macro economy, just driving up and down the coast over the past fortnight, um, I mean, I guess the big number that everybody always sees when you're driving around is the fuel price. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's there in sort of font size 50. And um, I was just filling up the Mitsubishi an hour or two ago, hundred bucks just like that, bang, you know. And uh, that's um, that's a part of the inflation story, which is a little bit resurgent at the moment. Um, but I, I think the general dynamic though is different from eighteen months ago when all the stimulus checks were flying and there was all the you know the uh, government programs, the JobKeeper and Seeker and all those sorts of things, the Home Builder package. I think now higher fuel prices, yes, that will add to inflation, but um, see, back then, the household saving rate was nearly 25%. Now it's close to zero. Um, I think actually higher fuel prices will just lead people to probably be even more, uh, I guess, a little bit more careful in terms of their consumer spending, which we know is slowing anyway. I saw um, ANZ Roy Morgan's um, survey this week showed inflation expectations over two years slowing to 4.9%. That's the lowest in 19 months. Um, so people can see that inflation is slowing. I noticed actually all of the big four banks have cut their three-year fixed mortgage rates over the past week or two. ANZ went by 30 basis points this week and all of the other banks have also made moves, which I guess um, even though um, Australia's three-year bond yield is still up around 4%, but generally I think the banks are seeing um, a peak in interest rates or something close to it, hence the competition around those 
fixed mortgage, right? So, yeah, look, it's. Um, I think um, we, everybody's looking for that green light and um, that indication that we've seen the last of the interest rate hikes. But until it actually happens, until we actually start to see the conversation or the language changing, people are still a little bit cagey about what might happen. Yeah, I think the people with the mortgages now have started. It's been three months uh, and they've seen their mortgages jump up dramatically over 2022 there's a little bit of a lag in terms of when you start paying interest when after the aba increases the interest rate so by the time your repayments go up it depends a little bit at the bank and when you get that letter with your new repayment or you see it come out of your account or maybe you don't even see it come out of your account straight away you only look at you know once a month and you go oh god it's actually much higher than i was and i think that's really starting to bite so the you could see that in the CBA data a few weeks ago we discussed in terms of spending. I also think in the 20-year-olds, are they going to be as confident as they were around their future job prospects as they were six, 12 months ago? Probably not. Um, are they going to be paying more for their rent? Are their you know, other expenses gone up a lot? And they're like, oh, maybe I need to be a bit more tighter with my money. So maybe we're going to see spending pull back with the younger generation. They cashed up. Um, you know, pre-retirees and retirees, well, they're getting a pretty good return on their cash. Um, stock markets are holding up. Um, so if there was a bit of a decline in the stock market, I think that could be a you know indication where they go, oh, actually, I don't want to draw as much out of my super. I just really want to live a bit more frugally now because um, I don't want to sell down my portfolio. So maybe that would be a, a good thing for um, slowing down their spending because from looking at the data a few weeks ago, they uh, don't seem to be too concerned about higher interest rates. Yes, and I think actually uh, flowing through to the third news story of the week, uh, a good thing from an inflation perspective, and I think just from a wider societal perspective, um, Eliza Rowan from CoreLogic, three reasons why rents will slow in 2024. So she's gone through the three reasons. So rent values have increased for 35 consecutive months uh, in July, but over the past four months, though, um, she noted that rent growth has started to ease. In regional Australia, rent value growth has actually been slowing since April last year, and rents are close to flattening out, albeit at high levels. Um, so Eliza Rowan went through these three reasons. Firstly, uh, that rents tend to move in tandem or in line with interest rates. So if we've seen a peak in interest rates, we may well see that uh, rental growth starts to slow. Se- secondly, as we already touched on, softer incomes growth, as we see record immigration that would probably suggest that wages growth will peak and start to ease uh, over the next year or two and thirdly rental affordability as you already touched on chris is in some areas becoming quite stretched to the extent that people start questioning the value and certainly seeing this on the sunshine coast people are like well is it actually worth paying a thousand dollars a week for this uh, somewhat rundown weatherboard and and that's um, just the one part of the country um so Eventually, when affordability becomes stretched, people start looking at alternatives. They either uh, buddy up or they decide to stay with parents for longer or they shop around or they look to other regions where rents might be a bit lower. Um, So I think a a combination of those three factors, um, despite the record population growth and the underbuilding, um, CoreLogic is seeing rental price growth slowing next year, which I think makes sense. Um, is that something you agree with, Chris? Yeah, I think there's a few more behavioural things on a micro level. These are very macro level things. So you think about it from an uh, investor's point of view, well, they might have done a big jump last year and it's pretty hard to then throw another big jump on them, right? And so you might have said it was catch up. I've increased my rent 20% last year. And, you know, then go for, a, you know, an extra 20 bucks a week. Is it really worth it after you've increased it? The second thing is, have they got confidence? If they say no, 
have they got as much confidence to put it on the market? I know vacancy rates are really tight, but there's sometimes a bit of a lag. You know, you've got to pay a re-letting fee. You might have to fix some things up with it. You know, is it really worth it for that small increase? So, you know, maybe that's another thing that will play into it as well. Maybe, uh, and have they got enough money to, to fix it? You know, sometimes you just, you keep your rent on a bit lower just because you, your buffers might be getting a bit tight for a lot of investors. They might just say, look, I haven't got enough money because you know, one of our places, you know, last year the tenant moved out. We had lots of issues in COVID down in Brunswick in Melbourne and I wasn't paying rent and uh, finally they uh, tenant left. We had to spend 30, 40K just tidying it up just uh, to get a good tenant in there. And so, you know, to spend that money and the time out of the market, it took a few months to get it done. I think a lot of investors will just be happy to keep a tenant in and um, the tenants are probably happy to stay um, because, you know, they know it's hard to, to get a lease. So I think that will naturally, you know, go into lower price growth in rent as well. If they've updated it last year, they've got a good tenant. Um, I don't want to take the risk right now when interest rates are high. I'm not having a tenant and my high rate on a mortgage, I'm going for certainty and safety and just trying to keep my tenant in. And the easiest way to keep your tenant in is not up the rent on them, right? Um especially in this market, they think, oh, actually. And it doesn't make a huge difference to their borrowing capacity. So if a lot of investors aren't trying to borrow more money because they're already tapped out, um, one of the reasons investors up their rent is they, they, they're wanting to invest more. And they know that if they can up their, all their, invest, their rents on all their properties a few hundred dollars a week, that means they could borrow an extra 100000 Then an extra 100000 means they can get a better asset. So if a lot of investors are already tapped out, there's not a need to increased rents for a borrowing capacity point of view uh, and a lot of investors will be tapped out because borrowing capacity is like so tight four times most investors have got more debt than what they could refinance today and so um, yeah there's lots of other little things I would say that um, it makes sense. There's one of the uh, things that Eliza Owen touched on in the article there is that the cash rate is expected to fall in 2024. So Shane Oliver from AMP was one of the forecasters predicting four interest rate cuts next year I think all of the uh, the major bank economists are seeing rate cuts eventually. Um, and she pointed out with the cash rates expected to fall, uh, well, we've seen, as you said, we've seen this period where lending settings have just been getting tighter and tighter, not just interest rates, but also we've got the lending assessment buffer, which is at a record high 300 basis points. And I guess if the cash rate starts to fall, we could start to see investment increase again, but also first home buyer activity, which has really been crushed by the change in uh, the cash rate, um, well, that could start to normalise a little bit, which is another thing which could just start to take some of the pressure off the rental market. I keep seeing all these surveys about the number of investors who've sold up over the past uh, year or 18 months, and that's at a time when we've got so many people coming into the country. So, yeah, I think um, a lot of these things are cyclical and will start to normalise over time. Uh, but, yeah, we've had 35 months now of rental price growth, Um which is, is tough for renters, and it's also not good for inflation either. So um, yeah, it's just one of those factors, again, which um, yeah, prices can only go so far before people start looking at behavioural change, and we're probably seeing it in the rental market as well. Yeah, Pippa, the Property Investment Professional Association, um, uh, actually at their conference on a panel on Friday, and um, they did an amazing report last week actually on this, and uh, we were in a good one to discuss today, but let's have a, we have a crack on that next week actually. And what that basically highlighted is the number of investors that have exited the market and the problem with more investors leaving the market, which we've spoken about this anecdotally on this podcast many times, that um if more people, are, investors are selling, then more investors are entering, 
um, then potentially you're reducing the rental stock at a time when we're increasing our population. So let alone, like, it's no wonder that we've got very low vacancy rates and fast-growing rents when every year it's getting harder to rent a property, not alone, let alone harder to buy as well. Housing affordability plus rental stress. Um, so another thing we probably should have a good chat about next week is there's been a number of budgets coming out this week, right, Pete? I think New South Wales and Victoria brought them out. So we'll, we'll have a chat about those next week as well because, yeah, a lot of hot air, I believe, there in those that would be probably worthwhile discussing. Yeah, there's an awful lot of um, signalling and virtue signalling in budgets these days about um, investment here and investment there. But when you actually break down the numbers, and particularly in terms of housing supply, um, with the cost of adding new dwelling stock these days, it very uh, tends to, well, it just doesn't move the needle in terms of the required supply. Uh, even on the day of recording, um, so we're uh, traveling around a bit at the moment, actually going down to uh, Melbourne, not just for the Rask Roadshow, but also its grand final week coming up in Melbourne. And with um, like a lot of people making use of Airbnb and short stay accommodation. And even just on the day of recording, uh, the Victorian government's announcing 7.5% uh, tax on short stay accommodation and it seems to be the solution for everything uh, these days is just add a new tax here and there but uh, I guess at the moment that's probably just going to be reflected in higher short stay prices um, yes arguably I guess the idea is to take some of that short stay accommodation and try to force it back into the long-term rental accommodation pool but um, yeah I think um, a lot of these problems are, are really just tinkering around the edges or moving deck chairs around where and it's not really tackling the underlying issue, which is population growth at six or seven hundred thousand, and building at a uh, or building home starts at a decade low, and um, that that apartment shortage, which is getting worse by the day, practically, especially well, as we said, population growth two thousand a day. So a new tax here, a new tax there to discourage investors is not really going to fix the issue. It's going to just, um, I guess, it will make a marginal difference to some people, but. Uh, the big macro issue is that we've got a, a major dwelling supply shortage. Yeah, absolutely. So let's unpack that one a little bit because, you know, it is a big attack. 7.5% is a lot of money to attack on. You know, someone's got a rental and they may be earning 50000 a year off it. Now they're, you know, either they're up their prices, which they might be able to do, to be honest, because if there's people less people list their properties on Airbnb because of this, then prices are naturally going to go up, right? Um, maybe it's a bit more demand for the hotels as well, which... Um, yeah, that makes a little bit more a better better bet. So, yeah, but I do think there's going to be a, an attack on Airbnb. It's an easy win, right? And so I think Victoria's maybe this is going to come in in Sydney as well, and maybe in places like, you know, Noosa and Byron and other places where, um, yeah, it's an easy it's an easy vote winner, right? You're only discarding, um, you know, if people are travelling yet, yeah, they've got to pay a bit more. That's just more money, more cost to them. But, you know, the people who've got those Airbnbs, well, it's easy to attack investors, right? Yeah, politically popular. So, yes, just to summarise on those big three property news stories of the week. So, firstly, population growth in Australia has hit 2,000 per day in 2023, certainly in the first few months of the year, um, record high population growth um, and somewhat concerning, I guess, in terms of what happens next. Uh, secondly, slack is increasing in the labour market, as you'd probably expect, with record immigration, and that will probably lead to lower wages growth ahead. And thirdly, uh, three reasons why rental price growth is set to slow in 2024. That was a piece by Eliza Rowan from CoreLogic. Uh, firstly, because rents move in line with interest rates, softer incomes growth, and also, um, I guess, as um, things 
progress 35 months of uh, rental increases, well, affordability starts to become an issue and then um, things naturally start to slow. So, well, thanks uh, so much, everyone, for tuning in. As usual, if you've got any questions or if you want to just say good day, um, do uh, get in contact with us at the uh, links in the show notes. You can catch me on my daily blog, Pete Wardgen Blogspot, or at Pete Wardgen on Twitter. Don't forget, you can uh, watch this back, of course, on your uh, YouTube, on the Rask channel, or just tune in on the Rask podcast. And if you want to get in contact with Chris, um, I think we say this every week, um, but they can catch you at Blast, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Jump on the show notes and um, book a call. We'd love to um, We'd have to have a chat. And uh, if you're going to the Sydney Roadshow in a couple of weeks, I'll be there. So uh, look forward to meeting any listeners. As will I. Yes, I'll have to uh, get this um, get the uh, Rask merchandise on for another big event in Sydney. That's actually the biggest event of the roadshow. So if you're able to get along there, they're really good fun. And actually a great networking opportunity as well. Uh, you can have a few drinks and a bit of food thrown in for good measure. So uh, definitely come along to the Sydney roadshow if you're there. So um, Chris, looking forward to it and um, have a great weekend and we'll see you all next episode. Happy Sunday. Good to chat, Pete. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Australian Property Podcast. If you love the show, why not subscribe or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify? And if you want to work with me, Amy, Pete or Chris, you'll find links in your podcast player to get in contact with us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Australian Property Podcast. We're huge advocates of getting the right advice at the right time from the right people. That's why it's important to understand that this podcast episode contained general financial information only. It is not designed to be specific or personalized to your financial, tax or legal situation. With property, the check sizes are pretty big, so it's important you get advice from a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information you hear in RAS podcasts. Thanks again for listening. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service. Designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.